Good, good. It's quiet. Wow. <laughs> good stuff. Wow, a couple things just before we dive into the scriptures this morning. Um, I, I have been meaning to mention, I meant to mention it last Sunday and in the EB update this week, and I forgot. Um, but a couple weeks ago, our district held, uh, be, because of the borders being closed, we couldn't have our district conference this spring. Uh, so we held an online conference uh, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and I was uh, elected, chosen by the, the pastors of the district to, to join uh, the district executive. So it's a council that, uh, kind of a council that oversees our uh, district in the Maritimes. And uh, so a real honor to serve. And uh, along with uh, about seven other pastors in the, in the district. And uh, so looking forward to the next, it's a two-year term, so looking forward to the next two years serving in that capacity. And uh, yeah. Uh, also, I just uh, I wanted to mention, like God's doing some cool stuff. And... Uh, just a, a couple things this week. I don't, I, I don't have, uh, I didn't ask permission to share these stories, so I'm not going to share names. Um, but but uh, we had somebody this, this week who had, um, early, early this past week, had extreme, um, just intense pain uh, in his head uh, for a couple of days, just unbearable intense pain and and uh the doctor said they were looking at doing a cortisone shot in his in his neck and uh, uh but they couldn't get to him for three or four days and and he was just in agony and uh he said his wife put her hand on his head and prayed for him and he literally felt after two days of extreme excruciating pain literally felt the pain go right down his neck and right out of his body and just yeah Yeah, and uh, another person was uh, was coming to meet with me about some things, and and uh, just just was dealing with uh, just negative like um, negative voices and not literal voices, but just negative thoughts and negative things coming at them, and just feeling really oppressed. And he said he walked through the doors, and instantly it was gone, and uh, and just. Uh, had a had a chance to to pray with him, and he just uh, just you know a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit and and stuff, and just just really love when God just does those things, right? And and uh, he's on the move; he's doing good things. Um, we uh, I'd mentioned a couple weeks ago that uh, that I had felt led to. Um, to fast, to do a to do a fast, a liquid only fast for for 21 days, for three weeks, leading up to Pentecost next Sunday. Um, and uh, I had said, you know, if if you're interested in joining me in that fast in some capacity, whether it's you know just 
you know, something each day that you give up or, or, you know, whether it's food, whether it's social, some people have done social media, just whatever. If you, if you want to join in with me, I made the commitment that I would pray for anyone that let me know, would pray for you daily. And I've been doing that, certainly. Um, and uh, there's probably about 10 people that let me know that they were joining me in some capacity in that. And uh, so we've got one week left uh, leading up to Pentecost Sunday next week. I believe God wants to do something fresh among us next Sunday. I'm believing God for, for a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. I'm, I'm, I have an excitement in my heart for what God wants to do. And I believe this is a, a season and a time of preparation, preparing our hearts. And we're going to get into that in a moment when we, when we get to the Word. But... Uh, so if, you know, we got one week left. If you haven't let me know yet and you want, you want to join in and just say, I want to prepare my heart by fasting something this week and just focusing my attention on the Lord, um, just send, send us an email at the office or send me personally an email, Bauer at evangelbathurst.ca. I'd love to be praying with you this week and uh, praying for you this week and believing together for what God wants to do. Amen? Amen. Amen, amen. amen. So, uh, just a, a quick recap on where we've been over the last few weeks in this series of awakening. Um, we, uh, we said that, you know, there's... Our, our world is in a mess. Our, our, our nation is in a mess. Largely because the church is asleep at the wheel. And we can't point out there and say the church because we are the church. And so when we say the church, we need to say the church. And when we say the church, we need to say me. Right? Um, this was a problem that Jesus warned us about. He said, stay awake, stay alert, be watchful. This is a problem that Paul warned us about. John speaks about it in Revelation. Uh, Peter speaks about it in his letters. Uh, it's, it's not something new, but it's something every generation has to grapple with. Are we going to stay awake? Are we going to stay alert and be watchful as Jesus called us to be? The church has been lulled to sleep, as we said a couple weeks ago, by a satanic lullaby. The enemy doesn't want us awakened to our identity and our destiny and our purpose as the people of God, right? Um, and so, so he lulls us to sleep with comfort and complacency, results in prayerlessness and purposelessness, and religious duty instead of a deep, abiding relationship with the Father. A form of godliness that has no power. And this series that we've been in is a call to our hearts to, set, to wake us up and say, not on my watch. The, uh, the core verse that we've been looking at over the last number of weeks, well, yeah, 
Just kind of a theme verse for us. It says, And do this understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. When it says our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed, it's talking about Jesus' return. Right? Back in the, in the fall when we did a series on, uh, on the return of Christ, the second coming of Jesus, um, one of the phrases that we, that we heard and, and we kind of spent some time talking about was we are, we are, as the people of God, we are, as a Spirit-filled church, we are a forward-leaning people. Our attention isn't... I, I mean, God's done some wonderful things in the past, and we celebrate those, we honor those, we thank God for those. But we are leaning into the return of Jesus. He is coming back. And that needs to, that needs to um, inform everything that we do, right? And, and so this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5 says, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day, meaning the day that Jesus returns, right? So that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then let's not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Right? Let's be awake. Why? Because Jesus has a job for us to do on planet Earth. He has a job for us to do in Bathurst. Because we're preparing our city for the return of Jesus. We're, returning, we're preparing our world for the return of Jesus. Because our city deserves a church that is awake. So, I said last week that we were going to... Um, We were going to talk about the cure today. The cures for a slumbering spirit, for a slumbering heart. Cures. What steps do I take to be free from slumber and to be fully awake? Right? Are you ready? Okay. All right. Well, that says First Chronicles. It should say Second Chronicles. I had a yeah, I typo. Um, if my people, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 
Now, if you've been around church for long, you've heard that passage quoted many times. You've heard it preached. And it can just kind of, it's one of those passages that can just kind of go in one ear and out the other because we've heard it so many times. But let's, let's really lean in and listen to it this morning. The day in 2 Chronicles 7 when this verse was, when God spoke these words, Um, was maybe the best day in all of Israel's history except maybe the parting of the Red Sea, the deliverance from Egypt. This is arguably the the best day in, in all of Israel's history. The nation has become united under David's kingship. Uh, and leadership, he had expanded the territory, expanded the influence of the nation of Israel. Solomon, his son, was now king and had expanded the influence even more. Um, Israel was now one of the most powerful kingdoms in the world under Solomon's rule. Many nations paid tribute to the kingdom of Israel. All of the major players in in world powers in that moment wanted to be friends with Israel. They had treaties with everyone. They wanted to be Israel's ally. Now Solomon had fulfilled his father's dream, had built a temple for God in Jerusalem, and they were dedicating the temple to the glory of God in Jerusalem. And as they did that... um, Solomon gathered the priests and the people from all over Israel. Jerusalem was just full of, of, all of Israel had gathered in Jerusalem for this incredible event to dedicate the temple to the glory of God. And twice during this week-long celebration of dedication, in the midst of times, moments of worship, the glory of God came in such literal, physical, tangible form in a cloud of glory and a weightiness of the glory and presence of God that the priests couldn't even stand up in the temple. They were laid out on the the floor. Powerful demonstrations of the glory of God as Israel renewed its covenant with God and God made promises to Israel. Probably their best day. But even in the midst of it, um, Solomon, as he's praying his prayer of dedication, has the wisdom to understand that that every day is not going to look like your best day. Right? And so, as as he's praying his prayer of dedication... In 2 Chronicles 6, verse 24, when your people Israel have been defeated by an enemy because they have sinned against you, 
And when they turn back and give praise to your name, when they repent, when they turn back from being disobedient, turn back and give praise to your name, praying and making supplication before you in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land you gave them and their ancestors. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you, and when they pray towards this place and give praise to your name and turn from their sin because you have afflicted them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel. Teach them the right way to live and send, uh, and send rain on the land you gave your people for an inheritance. And so he, Solomon recognizes there will come days when we as your people will fail you, will fall on our face, will blunder, will sin, will rebel. And when we do, God, please, make a path back for us. And so God in His response to Solomon's prayer says this. He makes this promise in response to Solomon's wise prayer and says, Yes, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, yes, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. It's amazing that God who knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin before they did, made a way of salvation before the sin even happened. It's amazing that the God of Israel, who, to whom Solomon cried out to, before Israel even fell into the sin that Solomon said we might fall into, made a way for them to return. It's amazing that your heavenly Father loves you so much that even though He knows there will be days when you will fall on your face, He has made a way for you to return and be healed and forgiven. When we sin, fall, fail, fall asleep spiritually, God has made a way of return. So we're, let's, we're just going to walk through this phrase by phrase quickly this morning. If my people who are called by my name. I'll just jump over that statement. That is an important statement. If you are a follower of Jesus, your identity has now become tied up with who Jesus is. Your identity is in your heavenly Father. Your identity is in Him. In the culture where this was said, in the Jewish ancient culture, it was very... Um, patriarchal culture the father the father 
gave, gave the family their identity. You, you read often in the, in the Scriptures, so-and-so's son of so-and-so, right? Your, your identity was in your father. The beauty of that, now I know that's patriarchal and it's, you know, it's ancient history and all of that stuff, but there's a beautiful truth tucked away in all of that history. That when we come to Jesus and we are adopted into God's family, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what your first family, how messed up it might have been, it does, none of it matters. Your identity now is given to you by your heavenly Father. He gives you a new name. He gives you a new identity. And, and you are a new person in Him. And, and part of the reason that we fall into slumber, that we fall into sin, that we fall away from our intimacy with God is that we begin to forget who we are. Let's watch this. Your father is waiting. It's hard to see, sorry. Do you see him? I don't see anything. Look closer. You see? He lives in you. Simba. Take your place in the circle of life. I can't. You must remember who you are, the one true king. I'm sorry. I don't know how to be like you. As king, I was most proud of one thing, having you as my son. That was a long time ago. No, Simba. That is forever. Please, don't leave me again. I never left you. I never will. Remember who you are. So, I ask again, who are you? I am Simba, son of Mufasa. you're familiar with this Walt Disney story, um, Simba forgets 
his identity, even suppresses it. He doesn't want to have anything to do with, with his identity. And because he forgets his identity, um, rather than take his place, his rightful place as king seriously, he wasted his time goofing off with uh, uh, Pumbaa and uh, Timon. Thank you. Timon and Pumbaa. And, uh, and just partying and just, you know, wasting his time frivolously and foolishly. But when he remembered and rediscovered who he was, he awoke from his childish dream world and awoke to his destiny and responsibility and went in the authority that he had and reclaimed the territory that had been lost. Right? Um, And I think many times we as the church forget our identity, forget our authority, we slumber, we, we throw away our time on foolish things, and, and, and territory is stolen from us because there's nobody to stand up and say, I don't think so, right? And, uh, and so, so remembering who we are, knowing that we are the ones who are called by Jesus' name, is vital to us awakening to our purpose, awakening to our destiny. Secondly, who is your source? If my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Prayer is a recognition that we need God. When we're neglectful of prayer, we are acting as if we don't need God. Right? We've become self-sufficient, self-reliant, and that works until it doesn't. And in reality, it really doesn't. But we can be deceived for a short time thinking that it does. But then we wonder what's going on when, when our world starts to implode, right? God says here that when we realize that, that that self-reliance and that self-sufficiency isn't working. We need to humble ourselves. God, I'm not God. You are. God, I come back to You. God, I give You leadership. I give You control. You are my first love. Um, we recognize you know, our foolishness, we admit, you know, sometimes we, we don't like to admit that we were wrong. Sometimes we'll even keep going further the wrong way just because we don't want to admit that we were wrong. Right? Right? I could tell stories, but I won't because they make me look bad. But but, you know, the sooner we recognize I'm going the wrong way, the sooner we can humble ourselves. The sooner the Father can put our lives back together the way they were meant to be. Renew your intimacy with the Father and seek my face, God says. 
and seek my face. This might, might seem, like, seem like a strange saying if it's a new phrase to you. Those of you who are maybe newer to the faith or haven't heard this phrase much, you might think that sounds weird. Seek my face. But it's used in a number of places in Scripture. Uh, Psalm 105 verse 4 says, Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Psalm 27, one of my favorite psalms. Psalm 27 verses 7 to 9 says, Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. You ever feel like what David seemed to feel when he wrote this psalm? Like you're calling out and looking for God and he seems to be hiding? It's okay, you can be honest. Right? God never hides from us so that we can't find him, but so that we will know the joy when we do. It's like a father playing hide and seek with a three-year-old. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't find his best hiding place. Oh, they'll never find me here. Right? The kid would start crying in the next, you know, within five minutes. The father doesn't hide so that the child can't find them, but for the squeal of delight when he does. And in those moments when it seems like God is hiding, it's because he's, he's inviting us to seek after him. Because he says, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. See, folks, this thing that we're doing is not about religion. It's about an intimate relationship with your Creator, your Maker, your Savior. It's about an intimate relationship that was broken by sin and Jesus came to restore. That by the blood of Jesus, we are reconciled to the Father. We're going to celebrate that in just a few moments. By the blood of Jesus, we are reconciled to the Father. If we stay in 
in intimate relationship with the Father, we will never fall asleep. Guarantee you. It's just too much fun. The adventure that He has for us when we stay close to Him U-turns are always legal in the kingdom. My people will seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. You might be quick to say, wicked? Who are you calling wicked? Right? What do you mean wicked? I'm not wicked. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't committed any acts of terrorism. I don't have a secret villain lair. I don't have any plans to take over the world. I'm not wicked. I've been saved by grace, so, so I get a, a get, get out of jail free card, right? I, I, can, I can do whatever I want. I'm not wicked. But the point of our salvation is not that we have a get-out-of-jail-free card and get to do whatever we want. But on the contrary, when we come to Jesus, we come to the way, the truth, and the life. And when we walk His way, His path, and start living to fill our um, when we walk His path, it takes us towards, towards God. It takes us Godward. It takes us towards life. Abundant, full, exciting life. However, if we abandon His path and start living to fill our hearts with this world, living on a path that takes us away from God, and towards idolatry of things or idolatry of self. By the way, that's what sin is. Then we have stepped onto a wicked path, a path of rebellion. And that path will not give us life as much as it lies to us and says it will. It will diminish us and eventually destroy us. Proverbs 14.12 There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, verses 18 and 19 has a great description of these two directions. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the path of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Ever have those days when you just don't know why you keep stumbling? Maybe you're on the wrong path, right? I'd suggest that each of us in any given week can be moving Godward or selfward. 
And that's why a couple verses later in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything flows from it. When our heart is Godward, good things are going to flow out of our lives, right? If we are spiritually slumbering, then we have wandered into a prayerlessness, complacency, self-reliance, have allowed the world and its lies to have much more of an influence in our hearts than, than it should, and the, God's Word and His Spirit less and less. And so we need a U-turn, right? Scripture calls this big, big religious-sounding word, repent. Sometimes when we hear that word repent, we think of a crazy guy out on the street with a placard screaming at you saying, repent, repent. But the reality is we all need to repent. Every time we take a wrong turn and we're moving away from God, we need to turn around. Turn from our wickedness and turn to God. And then God promises He will hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. That sounds pretty good. Pretty good. Don't believe the lie that God doesn't want to hear from you because you have sinned or failed. That is one of the biggest lies the enemy tells. That when we fail, when we sin, when we blow it, the enemy just loves to fire shame at us because then we go into hiding. He wants us to believe that God doesn't want to hear from you now. You're too dirty. You're too broken. But it's just the opposite, folks. God is waiting like the father of the wayward son in the parable that we call the prodigal son that ran to the young man and threw his arms around him and kissed him and he said, welcome home. That is what your father is like. He will hear from heaven and he will forgive our sin. Isaiah 55, verse 6, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call on Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and He will have mercy on them and to our God, for He will freely pardon. None of us deserves the grace and the mercy of God that is poured out on us when we repent, when we turn back to Him but it's ours. And He will heal our land. You know what? When we sin, when we fail, when we fall asleep, we tend to think, well, I'm not hurting anyone else. It's just me. But our sin, our failure, our 
falling into complacency and slumber affects our nation, affects our church, affects our city. Because if we're not awake at the wheel, who will be? Right? And if, if we awaken, if we wake up to God's purpose for us, He will heal our city. He will do amazing things. Amen. Uh, there are some other things I wanted to mention. I'm just going to fire them at you. What we just talked about, I think, is God's main path back to us. But let me suggest to you that, that there may be some times when, when there's deeper issues that we need to bring to the Lord. That, that there may be uh, emotional healing that we've never received in our lives. When we, when we, when we come to Jesus but don't deal with the brokenness of our past, it doesn't just magically disappear. We need, to, we, need to, we need to apply the blood of Jesus to those things in our lives. We need, we need healing sometimes. And, and when we, when we or, or there might be demonic deliverance that we need in our lives. We don't have time to get into that today, but, but there may be some deeper things. If you're finding like you're trying, you're, you're, you're making, you know, trying to turn back to the Lord, but it just seems like you're hitting a brick wall. Well, talk to us. Talk to, talk to me. Because there might be some deeper things. Uh, healing and deliverance. A correct view of God. Influences in your life. Are there, are there people who are negative around you that just keep pulling you back down? Are you staying in a healthy connection to the family of God? Right? It's, it's hard... It's hard to stay awake when we're disconnected, right? Just some other things to, to, to consider. But the Lord wants to awaken us. We're gonna, I'm going to ask the, those that are serving communion to get ready to do that. Um, next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, and if you don't know what that means, Pentecost is was a Jewish festival, is a Jewish festival, 50 days after Passover. That doesn't, you know, we don't necessarily celebrate Pentecost as a Jewish festival and, and the way that the Jewish people did. Um, not that that's a bad thing, if you do, but, but we don't, as Christians, tend to do that. Um, but, on the day of Pentecost, nearly 2,000 years ago, was the day on which Jesus poured out His Spirit upon the church. The church was born. The church was filled with the power of, of Jesus through the power of the Spirit and, and commissioned, sent out to do a mission in the power of the Spirit. And so next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, and I believe God wants to do something, just do something fresh among us. And, and I feel like this, this whole awakening thing has been a preparation. God, 
Let us deal with what's in our hearts that needs the clutter, that needs to go, the, the, the things that tangle us up and, and trip us. Let's throw those things aside so that we're prepared and ready for what you have for us, God. So even as we do communion in this moment, musicians, come on up as well. Thank you. Um, even as we um, celebrate communion together today, and we're, we're a little later than, than, not too late, but a little later than usual. We'll take another 10 minutes for communion, so thank you for your patience and sticking with us. But um, I, uh, I want us to see communion this morning as... Um, as a preparation in our hearts. A moment, an opportunity, as we celebrate the, the body and the blood of Jesus. The very thing that won us our forgiveness, our freedom, our hope, our, our abundant life. That it would be an opportunity, a moment for repentance a moment for a U-turn, a moment to examine our hearts and say, God, there's some stuff I need to cast aside so that I'm ready for you. Amen? Amen. Come on up, folks. So as you receive the emblems, um, there's two cups, one in, inside the other. The bottom cup has the, the little wafers. The top cup has the juice. Just take them and uh, actually they'll be handed to you. Hold on to them until we've all received them and we'll take them together. If you know Jesus as your Savior and Lord in this room, if you're visiting with us, uh, you're welcome to, to, to participate with us. Um, and so feel free to receive the emblems. <laughs>